This is the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry and its future. Our show is hosted by Rich Miller, the editor of Data Center Frontier. And now here's Rich with our show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Data Center Frontier Show podcast. Our guest today is Sean Farney from Kohler Power, who's got a lot of experience in the data center industry uh, and lots of insights to share with us today. So Sean, welcome. Hey, thanks, Rich. Always great to, to chat uh, and, and hear from the godfather, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me on. Great to be here. I, I love the space. I'm a self-professed data center nerd currently at Kohler running their data center marketing, uh, but in prior roles ran a an edge data center company built and ran data centers for Microsoft have been in the space crawling around white space for ooh, 25 years, which, which dates me. Um, uh, so been in all parts of it uh, and just fascinating to see the incredible importance of data centers in today's society. Yeah, that included one some uh, pretty interesting data centers, uh, the, the Microsoft modular one you were uh, involved with, uh, some, some pretty innovative stuff. Yeah, you know, that was arguably uh, one of the first uh, sustainability movements. Before, before uh, green was cool, at, at Microsoft, yeah, we deployed um, compute and critical environments in a shipping container, showed up on a truck, plugged it in, burned it in, and, and were connected and up and running in eight hours. And the residual benefit of that, besides, you know, time to market and speeding time to, to revenue, was the the environmental impact, you know, no cardboard, you know, basic things like that, no asset management, no unboxing. But also, you know, when you put 2,000 servers in a shipping container, uh, which is a small space, um, you have very efficient airflow. I mean, PUEs of, you know, 1.1, which, you know, this was 2009, 2010. That was a right. big deal. This was this was uh, Mike Manos and Christian Bellotti's brainchild in, in Chicago is where we did this in a fascinating experiment. And, and again, arguably one of the first experiments in, um, in going green and really pushing the way we thought about deploying critical load and, and asking why, you know, why, why do we deploy unraised floor and why do we put servers in cabinets and, and so on and so forth. So really a, a fun foray uh, in, in dipping the toe into modular is an enhancement to um, you know carbon footprint reduction. Yeah, that was a really fun uh, uh, facility. I got to, to see that when you guys were just getting ready to open that. I wanted to uh, to uh, have you talk a little bit about Kohler, which is a company that makes a lot of different things. Some folks may not uh, know as much about their data center operations, but but tell me a little bit about uh, uh, Kohler and what you're doing there and how you got involved. Yeah, sure. Great global name and, and brand and all over the place. And many of us have uh, faucets and toilets and all the other Kohler products. I but, do. But, all right. Awesome. But little people know that, you know, Kohler Power Systems has been around making generators for more than 100 years. Um, we, we, we produced the first and we did it for farmers who were too far away from the grid to have power systems on their farms. Uh, and, and before that, 1873, John Michael... Um, Kohler started up Kohler as an agricultural company and, uh, you know, stuck some legs on a hog scalder one day and called it a bathtub. And here we are today. It, it, it kind of works. So a history of innovation and in providing, you know, functional products. But uh, 
a big push into power systems. We do switchgear, we do ATS, we do complete power lineups. We have a UPS company. We recently acquired uh, Hala, a microgrid brain company, I call it. Um, microgrids are, are becoming more and more important, particularly in the edge space, the possibilities there. So um, a diverse product mix, but Kohler data centers is, is kind of a new focus. We really can offer the full ecosystem of data center products to our customers who are all over the world. They include hyperscalers. They include a lot of telecom customers. We've been doing this a long time, um, but we're we're really going going big into data centers. You know, Kohler uh, executive management you know, foresight to see how big data centers was going to be and where it's going is investing, and we've got some great folks doing some amazing things. We are really trying to advance knowledge leadership in the field, bringing together thought leaders, as we did last October, just right. to talk about. What's going on? Sustainability, power systems, how we run, sustainable operations, just leading with knowledge and bringing folks together. So great things going on at Kohler and in many of your um, your audience are, are Kohler customers in the data center space, but also mission critical and hospitals and municipal and so on and so forth. So good, good time to be at uh, this great old company, which is reinventing itself with data centers. Yeah, I really enjoyed participating in the, the session you guys had last, last October. You brought together a lot of people with uh, deep experience in the data center sector and, and uh, had some uh, sort of in-depth conversations about things. One of the topics that was uh, front and center there is sustainability and what uh, the, the way forward looks like on that. We were right around Earth Day here in, in 2022. And there's obviously been a lot of activity on the sustainability front. In many ways, data centers have been among the leaders in adopting renewable energy. Uh, but as some of the largest users and using more all the time, it's, there are a lot of interesting discussions right now about data center site selection and, and how you support the energy needs that we have so everybody has the internet going forward. Use that as sort of the backdrop to to kind of get your take on where the industry's at in its push towards sustainability. There are some big goals out there to really make a difference on, on the climate change front. Uh, what's your take on, on, on how we're doing? It, it's really an interesting time. Uh, and I like where we're at with the visibility. So, you know, 10 years ago, we were all chasing PUE. It was, we gamified it, right? And we were, we were all pushing buttons and pulling levers and trying to drive down PUE. Is, is a little bit of a bragging point um, and to reduce our, our, our power bills, but really to show kind of design and engineering excellence. And it wasn't always about sustainability, kind of sort of was. Fast forward to now, you know, the sustainability platform, that, that is an imperative. Um, and it's a board level item uh, at all large public companies. Uh, everyone understands that this is critical. Um, and, and combine that with this insatiable growth of data center builds um, because of the role that data now plays in our, our, our culture and, and the role that technology plays. Uh, data has become the currency of the fourth industrial revolution. Um, we can't get through a day without using a data center um, because the, you know, this, this is now the, the entry, the door to a data center. Um, it, it's really quite incredible. And our, our, our kids have never had to delete anything and never will. So it just is growing at this immense rate. And I think uh, Cisco says by 2025, we'll have 30 billion connected devices. Um, so 
all of that comes together to create this um, sustainability imperative. So the industry gets it. There's visibility, there's awareness, and it's very, very important. And, and again, it's become a, a board level imperative. Um, even for non-tech companies, Kohler, for example, has, has very aggressive um, goals around sustainability that, that, that we, we publish out, you know, scope one, two, and three. What do our products do? Uh, how do? How do we reduce water use? Um, how do our products help our customers? We track that, we publish that, we look into it, and this is not uncommon. So we're at a great point as far as visibility of the importance of doing this. And I've been very heartened in the last couple of years to see the industry come together and start talking. Um, 10 years ago in the PUE game, Google, Microsoft, uh, Facebook, and others um, were very secretive around efforts taken to, to reduce consumption and, and drive that PUE number down and all kinds of interesting technology. Um, these days, um, uh, it, it's, it's really an open book led by luminaries and influencers like Dean Nelson, for example, what he's doing just to openly share information and drive change. And, and, and it's great to see those type of people really share and, and just want to make better. So I'm, I'm very happy with where we are um, uh, from that perspective. And the, um, the data center industry is, is jumping into this as well. And I uh, was impressed looking at some, some cut sheets for data center facilities from, from NTT, uh, Global Data Centers, because on their brochure advertising one of the facilities, they had the exact breakdown on the back end of power generation. What was renewables? What was coal? What was nuclear? Fascinating. So we've come a very, very long way. And we've, we've realized how important this is and how important it is to the industry and customers. So I think we're in a great place. And in the next phase, we will, um, we will take action, right? We want to drive down our, our, our carbon footprint and, and the impact we have and the energy used. And with the amount of investment in the big brains in the industry, particularly the hyperscalers, um, I am utterly convinced that we will continue to crank out amazing solutions and, and technologies. Uh, and, and I like to think of it as, you know, that's the, the revolutionary approaches to how to solve the sustainability imperative and, and things like hydrogen fuel cells, re replacing uh, diesel generators, for example, or even primary grid power, grid scale batteries. Um, there, there's amazing work uh, at Google going on uh, production use of grid scale batteries. I, uh, I, I uh, love hearing what um, the guys at Microsoft, Christian and, and Mark Monroe and Sean, Sean James are doing their think tank, you know, wave power data centers. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for uh, volcano power data centers, right? And uh, it's, it's been my running joke, uh, um, you know, private nuclear. I'm waiting for, 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 for that to, uh, to, to actually go into production. And then with that, um, you know, the, the private production of power. So all this activity, this spend, these big brains involved in revenue, revolutionary approaches to both primary and backup power system replacement, really, really exciting. So heartened to see this. And, and I love seeing the big programs, you know, take a flyer and just not be afraid to fail and investigate what sounds like crazy technology, which, you know, in a few years may be you know, something we're doing in, in production. Um, but in parallel, I'm also heartened to see um, our pursuit of what I call evolutionary solutions for data center sustainability. So taking what we've done for years and years and years, applying all this, this knowledge capital, 
um, and making the things that we're doing more efficient and better and more green. So these are things like optimizing engine technology uh, in gen sets. Um, you know, for years and years and years, we've been um, cranking out uh, uh, genset engine technology that's susceptible to something called wet stacking, um, the accumulation of moisture in your exhaust system if you don't run at certain loads for certain periods of time, which has driven testing on a regular basis at high loads, which really is pretty wasteful, you know, consumes a lot of fuel. It, it, it drives up your particulate emissions. Uh, there, there've been uh, developments lately in engine technology, um, Kohler's working on some of them, which, which obviates wet stacking and therefore maybe eliminates the need to do testing at load or testing at high frequency. That's a, that's an improvement to something we're already doing that, that really has a meaningful impact across a fleet of generators. Um, similarly, changing fuels, alternative fuels, very exciting HBO. That is really getting traction. Uh, hearing from customers in California, where the uh, the environmental regulations are, are pretty steep, uh, HVO that that's a big solution. Similarly, Tier Four, you know, filtering emissions, um, really exciting stuff there. So, you know, you can take a a generator and and sometimes pump out cleaner air from the unit after after run than uh, had had come into it, and use alternative fuels to to limit the amount of emissions and, and, and carbon impacts. So revolutionary stuff coming from the, the, the big players, evolutionary products and technologies and thoughts coming from our critical environments folks, you know, the backbone of the industry that run the back end of data centers and doing it for a real long time are really, really good at it. So together I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to see where we are and the progress we're making. And we're, we're running in parallel with these two different approaches. And I know we will drive to some amazing stuff. You talked about uh, HVO, which is a hydrogenated vegetable oil, uh, which is one of the sort of alternate fuels that's being advanced as people take a look at uh, backup power, how they'd like to make it um, um, more sustainable. Generators, of course, have been at the uh, one of the, the sort of uh, focal points of some of the discussion around this, which is interesting because uh, of the massive sort of deployed base of installed generators that folks have at data centers around the world. Every almost every uh, data center uh, relies upon the backup generators, most of them running on diesel, uh, to uh, provide emergency backup power and tandem with the, with the uninterrupted power supply uh, systems. You know, the, the path forward, what does that look like when folks like Microsoft come out and say, well, by 2030, we want to you know, not be reliant on, on diesel? Is HVO the answer? What, what do you see in terms of what does Kohler see as the, the, the way forward with generators and what things look like uh, in, in how what people think about backup power? Sure. Great, great question. Very topical. Um, the, the generator right now is invaluable. Um, we saw this last year in the spring when the lights went out in Texas, right? Yeah. Data centers didn't drop a bit. They swung over to gens and, and they ran and as did hospitals, right? Uh, mission, true mission critical facilities. We, we need generators. They're, they're not going anywhere for, for a while because like you said, huge installed base, extremely reliable. Also, a global distribution and replenishment infrastructure. Um, 
diesel is all over the place. Um, when you run out, you can, um, your, your truck rolls up and, and, and fills you up. We don't have that figured out for some of the, the newer technologies yet. We, we will get there. So I, I think for a lot of different reasons, generators are, are here to stay, uh, including the fact that we've been running them pretty successfully for 30, 40 years in, in, in some programs. And our, our folks know how to run them. We have, they're part of the audit infrastructure. There's methods of procedures, there's maintenance, there's sparing, there's consumable. Right. But you come in and, and, and bring an alternative fuel, which burns cleaner and reduces your carbon impact. Again, across a fleet of thousands or tens of thousand units. That's a, that's a pretty good compromise. That's an evolutionary approach. Take something that works that we are very familiar with and is very reliable replace a fuel, which doesn't change your operations and maintenance protocols, drive down your emissions without derating the power output, very important. That's a, that's a really good, that's a smart, efficient move that evolves in a current technology without scaring the heck out of the critical environments operators who are, right. um, they don't know how to operate a hydrogen fuel cell plant. Um, you can't go to the fuel, the, the, the gas station over there and buy new hydrogen, right? Um, we don't have that figured out yet if there's a problem or an extended outage. So HBO has a very, very bright future. It speaks to the permanence of, of the generator and um, also speaks to the, the innovative ways of thinking around how to solve this, this sustainability imperative. One of the things that uh, has prompted a lot of discussion is the idea that of incorporating multiple energy uh, sources, multiple generation sources uh, into supporting uh, data centers. It creates sort of flexibility to integrate different kinds of power, including renewable power, you know, tie in, you know, energy storage, uh, those kind of things. And, and one of the enabling technologies that folks have uh, looked at are microgrids, something uh, you mentioned before that Kohler's been uh, taking a look at and investing in. What's your sense of the potential for microgrids to, to play a role in the data center industry going forward? Yeah, great point. I think it is on the path, the sustainability path um, looking forward because microgrid technology allows you to integrate multiple, not just, not just grid and gens or grid and battery or grid and hydrogen, multiple sources of, of energy and that is kind of next iteration uh, you know, along this, this path to sustainability. So Kohler is very excited about this. As you mentioned, we acquired a company, Hyla Technologies, recently is, is part of this. And this enables this kind of traffic cop function or energy brain, I, I like to say, uh, which is very attractive to data center providers, particularly um, far-flung uh, sites or a large fleet of sites where the um, availability of, of power varies. So in some, some places uh, you have reliable nuclear power like Illinois in, in the U.S. Um, as your primary uh, and, and uh, not as much renewable as, as a secondary option. But in other places, uh, wind is a very viable renewable source um, as is hydro or uh, fill, fill in the gap and fill in the technology a, a microgrid kind of brain um, layer allows you to, to plug into a local environment and, and then optimize your power consumption based on availability and price and, and carbon impact. And um, I think the edge players will find this extremely valuable and useful. And um, 
I think microgrid will, will, will rise up, particularly if grids become more unstable. Um, if you do any research on how the, the, the grid was designed, at least in the US, you'll find that it's very old. Um, the original basis of design was not to accept renewable power back onto the grid. It was a one-way design. The, the more renewable we, we try to force back onto the grid, the more potential issues we have. If we see unreliable grids, the, the economic interests of the hyperscalers are such that they will start doing power, power generation on site, private power, um, hearkening back to the early 20th century when the, the original um, power plants were owned and run by corporations. They, they produced their own. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a grid yet. You know, the DC, AC, the distance problem wasn't solved yet until original work in Chicago split off of, of, of one of, you know, one of Edison's students split off and, and designed distributed AC power. So interesting history of power and interesting to see how microgridding may actually kind of bring some of that back, you know, the private power generation and certainly not beyond the big brains at the hyperscalers uh, to, to work on this. And as part of that is the linchpin becomes microgrid technology, like a, like a Hila uh, solution, which can allow you to do that seamlessly. Yeah. W- one of the uh, sort of interesting topics that we've been taking a, a hard look at this year is a uh, site selection for data centers, which has become more interesting on a couple of fronts uh, related to climate and sustainability. One is that that there are markets that have fairly ample supplies of uh, greener power and uh uh, they've been attractive. We've seen certainly places like uh, Hillsboro, Oregon, or Montreal, uh, which which both have quite a bit of hydropower, have done very well lately. Uh, meanwhile, some of the largest business markets are around the world uh, for data centers are kind of power constrained. Uh, there have been discussions in Singapore, Amsterdam, Frankfurt. And there's a, a pretty a vigorous discussion in Ireland about you know, how much power should be allocated to data centers and what that looks like. Are we heading towards a future where bring your own power becomes part of the ability to deploy or at least deploy quickly in some of these markets? I think so. And in many of the countries you mentioned are stark reminders. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, moratoriums, you know, look at, uh, you mentioned Singapore and, and right. other places, that's really scary stuff for um, data center operators and, and providers. They're, they're, they're being limited in, in size or time, how, you know, how and when they can build. I always marvel when I hear about a new, you know, multi-gigawatt campus going up in Nova. Like, how do they do it? Like, what are they doing there? Like, yeah. power infrastructure. Uh, holy smokes. Uh, it's amazing, right? And we, we haven't. Uh, seen too much of that in the U.S., um, but yeah, we, if we keep um, well, there's there's two sides of that same coin. If we if we t- keep consuming, we could literally run out of uh, basic current infrastructure, the ability to provide these huge chunks. You know that these campuses, these gigawatt campuses, come in and and just you know grab up um, mass amounts of, of of power, right? And then the other side of that coin is is regulatory, uh, right? particular in Europe, if this green imperative and sustainability around data centers and power consumption becomes such that um, there's public outcry and there's limitation of what data center operators can do, 
same, we could see something similar. So uh, great, knocking on wood, that we haven't <laughs> seen this yet, but um, we're certainly seeing it in places around the world where I, I'm, I'm really surprised that it took me aback. It may be a competitive move for the U.S. to not clamp down on data center builds, and, and then they'll just they'll keep building here. Um, and, and years ago, places like Singapore and, and Ireland, for example, were common destinations due to low tax rates, right? That's why uh, we built there. Quincy, Washington um, you know, was a farming community and then, geez, uh, you know, penny and a half per kilowatt hour hydropower, right. suddenly $8 billion of data center spend in, in like seven years. So, it's interesting to see that this effect, um, the incentive effect of how and why and where uh, data center providers build. But if there's no power, that's that's an easy one. Guess what? Um, they will leave the market and and look elsewhere. And um, maybe that's a play for third world and developing nations to say, hey, we got lots of power on in. I mean, that was the pitch for Iceland for a long time, and they got. Uh... A uh, number of uh, data centers locating there. A lot of uh, the crypto uh, stuff. I think uh, you see there, and there and there are a number of places in the U.S. that have managed to to pick up some of that uh, kind of uh, opportunity by having available power. One of the things you mentioned before I, that I uh, thought I would uh, kind of use to to close on is um, about edge computing. And what the uh, what the the infrastructure for that is going to look like? Uh, it has a you know a couple of both challenges and opportunities. One is that you're you're getting outside all of the major markets that may have congestion or cost issues, uh, and uh, the idea being to move more content to closer to the end users, which in some cases could mean cell towers or or uh, things like that. Uh, but in a lot of cases right now, it, it means sort of second tier cities uh, with uh, sometimes with smaller data centers and, and modular units, sometimes with more deployments in, in sort of smaller regional data center providers. What's your sense of, of how edge changes the equation when it comes to, uh, you know, backup power? Uh, how much uh, of, of this does need, you know, to be fully supported? in terms of redundancy. Uh, what's your take on where Edge is going and what that means from the, from the sort of uh, power perspective? Yeah, yeah. So I've had this um, interesting internal debate uh, for, well, for 10 years now. I, I started an Edge data center company uh, uh, almost 10 years ago now based on the premise that Edge was tier two and tier three MSAs and sub one megawatt buildings um, to, to host content, uh, streaming content, for devices, right? This thing. Um, right. And had been proven wrong. If you look at all the original uh, edge progenitors, um, you know, uh, Compass, for example, and, and Dark Points and, and Volta and Edge Micro and Edge Presence, all these companies started with this small, similar footprint in, in more obscure places and have grown the size of deployment. And, you know, at first it sounds like, oh, this is, this is counterintuitive. You know, the edge is supposed to be small and way over there and not in, in, in dense areas. But I've, I've really come to the realization that the, the edge is, is, this is the edge, it's the device, it's not the data center and everything in between 
doesn't matter so much. It could be small, it could be big, it could be in a base station, it could be in a large data center. So that market and its form factor has changed immensely. Along with that, um, the, the need for, for redundant power systems has, has changed. It's, it's grown in importance. Um, you know, there was ideas floated years ago that a, an, an edge data center could be really an N data center, no redundancy, not even concurrent maintainability of a power system. If there's a problem with power, use software and you route traffic um, somewhere else. Now, what we're seeing, whether it's in a small edge data center out in uh, Topeka or a big one in Dallas, the type of traffic is becoming more and more important. So autonomous vehicle traffic, uh, medical wearables, really important stuff where you know, lives could be on the line. Um, there's a push for more redundancy and availability in the edge space all across the infrastructure because your infrastructure is only as good as the weakest link vis-a-vis redundancy. So what, what we are seeing is um, an increase in the need for redundant power systems and, and stuff that fell out of favor, you know, 10 years ago, um, you know, tier four data centers with 2N and concurrent maintainability and a catcher and this and that that got expensive and went away. And it's, it's funny to see some of that stuff swinging back into basis of design because, oh, geez, now I got this super important traffic and got this big contract with this SLA and, oh, I need, yeah, I need two generators. I make that three generators and I need, you know, so it, it's being a kind of a student of data center history. It's, it's fascinating to see this stuff swing back. So I think vis-a-vis the edge, um, the traffic has gotten more important. The need, our addiction to it is, is only going up. Um, and to see that just try taking a, a phone away from a, from a teenager, <laughs> So there is a, uh, you know, the future looks good for uh, backup power providers, uh, particularly in the edge space. When you were looking at edge computing, uh, one of the models you looked at was, uh, was retail stores, which you were working with, a, with an outfit that, uh, that owned a few of them. This has been something that uh, I've gotten a lot of questions about. Uh, in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, was a tough time for retail space and office space. The notion has been that companies will think differently about their real estate and might look at the old, uh, it used to be dreaded to say alternate use when you were talking about data centers, but can retail spaces work? Is that uh, uh, something that you think has any sort of life as an option for the expansion of uh, data center infrastructure? I do. Um, and I have to say that as the, as the founder, of, like you said, a company that based its entire value prop on, on that idea. Um, perhaps that was before its time 10 years ago. I was uh, laughing uh, to myself uh, in the last couple of weeks. I saw, uh, I think, on, on Data Center Frontier, a story about Sabi uh, repurposing some, some Sears property for data centers. Um, like, all right, there we go. Uh, finally. Um, so interestingly enough, when you, when you do the research, actually, if you look back at the history of, of, of retail builds, particularly malls, they, they were built at the junctures of major highways, which, you know, highways were built uh, pursuant to the 1954 Highway Defense Act, right, to um, be able to move weapon systems around and, and isolate them from attack. Um, so the infrastructure, long story short, around where a lot of retail is built, particularly malls, is, is really good. The power infrastructure is good. The fiber is really good because you're right along either railroads or highways. You've got a lot of eyeballs and you have a lot of traffic, which now is driving importance. So 
Absolutely. As, as we, um, with higher frequency signals, um, distances decrease and the ability and need to deploy more systems and gear and radio and antenna and store and forward and uh, servers and hard drives, it increases and you just need more dense deployments. Um, so we may be hanging uh, many data centers off of uh, uh, stoplights and you know, uh, all kinds of different form factors. So yeah, retail works. Um, and I, I think with what should be a glut of, of class A office space and retail, there will always be innovative ways to, to reuse that space. And um, there are some really good minds um, in the industry looking at this stuff and who have built companies out in the past and they're looking uh, future forward to do the same. Uh, I had dinner a couple of weeks ago in Dallas with Hugh uh, Carl Specken, uh, who, who uh, Dark points. Start points, right? We had fascinating com- dinner time conversations about this, looking forward and just kind of dreaming a little bit. And, and, and yeah, this space is still hot and absolutely will need more space in place to facilitate whatever the edge is and wherever the device wants to go and wherever the data needs to go. So, um, yeah, maybe that idea is a little bit better now, uh, 10 years later than, uh, than when, uh, I was trying to peddle that madness. You're a man ahead of your time on, uh, the, uh, converting retail stores into data centers and, uh, and early on modular as well. You know, I, I always appreciate our, our conversations and talk about, uh, uh, the data center industry, and I appreciate you making time to do it. If folks are interested in connecting with you or learning more about Kohler and what it does, uh, how can they find you online? Best place is just to reach out via LinkedIn um, and uh, love talking about this technology and not just product, just technology and culture and where it's going. And you know, it's a fascinating look at um, what's going on in the space. So uh, yeah, I would implore any of your readers to, to reach out and say hello. So uh, thank you, Sean. And I'd like to, as always, thank our listeners for tuning in to the Data Center Frontier Show, where we talk about the future of the data center industry, one podcast at a time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for listening to the Data Center Frontier Show. You can find the show notes for this episode at datacenterfrontier.com slash podcast, including links to the resources Rich has mentioned. Be sure to subscribe to the Data Center Frontier Show at Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or where you find your podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, please tell your friends or share about it on your social channels. You can always find us on the web at datacenterfrontier.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Until next time.